Hola, I'm Elias Torres, co-founder and CTO of Drift. You are listening to the American Dream Podcast. Did you know that Drift is part of just 2% of VC-backed startups led by Latin American founders? Well, I'm on a mission to change that. On this show, you will hear from leaders who have achieved their own version of the American Dream. We'll talk about what the process looked like to get there, the obstacles they faced along the way, and the work we still have to do to build the new face of a diverse corporate America. Bienvenidos a todos. On today's episode of the American Dream Podcast, I'm talking with Aníbal Abarca Hill. Aníbal is the CTO of WiseLine, a global technology service provider based in San Francisco, Silicon Valley, and Guadalajara. They have grown from over 500 to almost 2,000 in the past couple of years. So it's like 100% year-over-year growth. Fantastic company. Please check them out. Aníbal and I connected a few weeks ago when he spoke on Drift Scaling Product Development Panel. And I don't know if you've heard, but Drift just announced its newest office location in Guadalajara, Mexico. Guadalajara is a booming technical hub, and we're so excited to get involved with the community down there. Aníbal is based there, so in today's episode, he's going to share his story about how he got into tech and what the tech scene looks in Mexico and major gotchas and great advice on how to get really connected with the community there. So please welcome again, Aníbal. Buenos días, Aníbal. Hi, Elias. How are you? Great, great. Good morning and buenos días. We're um, cold morning in Boston. And what's the temperature over there in Guadalajara? Uh, it's pretty nice. I guess it's in the 20s Celsius. So it's a very sunny day. Really enjoying the last few days that are a little bit of cold, not compared to Boston. I can I cannot say that we are that we have a real winter, but it's nice to have to wear a sweater, a light jacket in the mornings. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. I'll take that any day. I will be there soon. So Aníbal is the CTO of WiseLine, a company founded by Bismarck Lepe, right? That has its major office, right? Its largest office in Guadalajara, Mexico, but you have offices all over the world. That's right. We're focused on digital engineering services for large companies, Fortune 2000 companies. Most of our customers are US-based. We are growing in Latin America, Europe, and Asia, Asia Pacific mainly. I guess we have been growing 100% year over year for the last three years. So it's before the pandemic hit us, we were already growing very fast, but definitely it was a great accelerator for demand on technology services, digital transformation, many companies developing new applications, developing new products to focus on digital markets, e-commerce. So definitely the pandemic, because of those reasons, helped us accelerate a lot, going from 500 to over 1,800 now from January before the pandemic hit to starting this year. So it, it was an impressive growth. Another thing that helped us a lot was the openness for companies to work with remote workers, right? With the remote teams. I think that that definitely broke a barrier and it probably that barrier wasn't there. But many companies still thought like, oh, but I'm, I'm in New York and all my media team and all my engineering team is here. How can we work with you there, right? And, and then the pandemic came and, and everyone noticed like, oh, actually, we're all working remotely. So they were more open to do that. So that definitely helped us as well on, on accelerating our growth. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I think the context 
And maybe we will, I want to hear a little bit more about your story. But I think one of the questions that a lot of people ask me is, right now, the biggest problem in the United States is really finding technical talent, right? The battle for technical talent is really, really difficult. And thank God that we move into a digital first world because we're able to look for talent now everywhere in the U.S. and outside the U.S. And so when people, when companies are expanding, they have multiple options, right? They either focus mostly in the U.S. or they go focus higher anywhere remote in any country, right? Just piecemeal it, right? Or they go in and establish a base. So when we were looking, when Drift was looking at where should we expand, we wanted to create an office and we want to create a little bit of a geographical location. And we were looking and trying to study from a distance different locations. So a lot of people ask me, how did you choose Guadalajara, right? Why did you not go into Mexico City? Why didn't you go to Colombia? Why didn't you go to Eastern Europe? Why didn't you go to India, Asia, wherever, right? And so I'll have you share what's great about Guadalajara, right? Let's let's plug Guadalajara and attract more people there. Yes, of course. So first of all, I am based in Guadalajara. Wildline started about almost eight years ago. The company, at the beginning, it was founded immediately in Silicon Valley and Guadalajara, right? So all the engineering team was located in Guadalajara. Basically, a couple of the founders and the business development team was in Silicon Valley. The history or the background on that decision comes from the previous company that Bismarck founded, which is Uyala. Uyala was a video platform for media companies so they can manage and monetize their video assets, right? It was founded, I think it was in 2007, about those years. I met Bismarck back in those days, around 2008, I guess. And I met him because I was working for a media company in Monterrey. So I, I am not from Guadalajara. I'm only here for four years now and a little bit more. And I've been in many cities in Mexico, right? I grew up in Michoacán, in a small town called La Piedad. Then I moved to Monterrey when I went to college. And I stayed there for about nine years in total. So after I graduated, I started working in, in a media company in Milenio, a group of multimedios. And that's when I met Bismarck. I was one of the first customers for Uyala, at least outside the, the States. And we were going through a transformation, focusing our media assets or our media outlets into a video first and video driven media, right? So we became friends about 13 years ago now. And after a couple of years, or probably after a year, when, when we started working with them, Bismarck was looking for other places where to grow their engineering teams. Because what you're saying is true, like technology talent is scarce, right? Like you, you cannot find it. And in Silicon Valley, it has been very competitive now for a while. So he wanted to expand that capacity and they were looking for many places. Bismarck's family, and he also grew up very early in his life in, in a small town close to Guadalajara. So he had that idea like, okay, like probably we should explore Mexico. And, and, and he didn't know what to actually expect. And any of their founders and investors actually, like they didn't know if there was good talent, good opportunities in Mexico and if that will work, right? They thought about Argentina, they thought about Eastern Europe, but they didn't consider Mexico at first. But he said like, let's go and explore. And they came to Guadalajara 
I think he was also exploring Monterrey because I remember having those conversations early on and I made some introductions with the ecosystem in Monterrey. But he came to Guadalajara and he interviewed a few people if they were interviewing for their candidates in Silicon Valley. And the results were great, right? Like his co-founder, Shalnat, the CTO back then, Weruyala, he found like, I, I want to bring everyone to Mountain View. And they decided, like, let's not do that, right? We can bring them, but why don't we start here in Guadalajara? Why don't we open our offices in Guadalajara? So they ended up creating an impressive engineering hub. I, I think it, at some point there were over 150 people and they were doing all their professional services and integrations and some of the product work as well from the Guadalajara office. So when Bismarck and the team, they sold Uyala and they decided to start WiseLine, that was a no-brainer, right? Like they have already proven they can scale. They have already proven they were able to find the quality and they were able to keep that and, and actually keep growing that team. So that's why Wiseline started at the, at the same time it started in, in Silicon Valley. It, it kicked off in Guadalajara. And I guess, yeah, we're an American company. We're a U.S.-based company with a Mexican heart, right? Like that's an engineering team and we have our core, we have our heart in Mexico. And of course, many of our team or most of our team currently, it's located in Mexico. The biggest development center, the biggest hub continues to be Guadalajara, but now we are in, in multiple cities now. It's an incredible journey. And just to give context to people, we're talking about, so you, you had 150 engineers and you're not the largest company there, right? Now that I've been spending time over there, it just blows my mind, right? There's companies like IBM, Oracle, Tata, HCL, Globin, Amdocs, right? You know, it's just like, and each of these companies are throwing numbers of like a thousand plus engineers. So it just blows my mind because a lot of people are like saying, oh, I'm, I'm trying to build an office in Latin America, but it won't be able to go scale more than 20 people, right? It's like, we, we can't find more than 20. It's like, well, and how long have those companies been around in, in Guadalajara? Wiseline has been around for about seven years. I guess in Guadalajara, we are about 500 people probably between 500 to 700 people in Guadalajara. Oracle has been here for about 12 years, maybe, and they have over 2,500, probably. And we have DXC, which was HP, Amdocs, Tata, many, many more consulting firms and technology firms. But when we think about the background of Guadalajara, the technology companies have been here for more than probably 50 years now, when, when we think about HP, Intel, probably they have a here, they have been here for about 20, no, more than 30 years at least, probably it's actually 40. One of the first companies here was Kodak and IBM, then HP, and then multiple companies, Oracle, and now of course, many more consulting firms and the, and the startup ecosystem is, is booming as well. The, the good thing is when I compare Guadalajara to Mexico City and to Monterrey, because I actually live in the three cities. I was in Monterrey for nine years and I started my career there. I, I went to college there and, and started my career and I started my own companies there in Monterrey. Then I moved to Mexico City and I was there for about seven years. And then I moved to Guadalajara and I've been here four years. The difference between the three cities is most of the young engineers that we hire in Guadalajara, they come from 
probably their uncles, their fathers, they have been working in the technology industry for a while now. They used to work at some point with IBM. They used to work for Intel. Some of them, probably even their grandparents, at some point they, they were involved with Kodak, right? So the tech ecosystem has been here for a while. If you find young people working for other technology companies or if you find young people with some experience and you're looking for great talent, most likely they have been working on technology companies already. So they have the best practices. Their friends have been working in technology companies, so they share those best practices. In Mexico City, Australia, now you can find a lot of talent that is working already in a lot of technology startups. But five years ago, or probably a, a bit earlier as well, most of the people that you were able to hire, they came from the big telco companies, the big banks, very traditional industries, right? So when you think about hiring talent, yeah, like you're finding very good talent and they have great potential, but their experience is from non-technology companies that they're doing things in a very traditional way, right? And in Monterrey, I think the services industry, the professional services industry started to grow a long time ago. Softec, Neoris, and many more companies. They have been there for many years now. Infosys came there before any other city in Mexico. Tata came there as well. So most of the software engineers that you were able to hire, and actually my, my first job was in Softec, right? So many people came from the services industry, which is great. I mean, we are in the services industry. Yeah, that's because of the Institute in Monterrey, no? Yeah, because of uh, Tech de Monterrey and, and other universities, right? But they found that there were like three big universities in Monterrey, Tech de Monterrey, the Universidad Autónoma, and them, right? And they are great universities, so they have great talent that is always d developing and it's growing. So the large services, technology services organizations, they came to Monterrey and they started growing. So if you hire a software engineer with some experience, most likely you are going to hire them from one of the services companies in Monterrey. If you hire an, an engineer in Mexico City, most likely you are hiring them either from other startups, which that could be good, or you are hiring them from a very traditional company, a bank or a telco. And when you come to Guadalajara, when you're hiring them, you're hiring them from one of the top technology companies, right? You're hiring them from Oracle, you're hiring them from Intel. And I'm not saying that you have to steal talent, right? But they share that background, right? They share that with their network. They probably have been in contact with those best practices for a while. And I'm talking about decades now, right? From their fathers, uncles. That's a fantastic insight there, right, about the three major regions, right? And I totally agree with you. It totally makes sense, right? And it gives me a better perspective of why Guadalajara is called the Silicon Valley, right, of Mexico, because it has that multi-generational that even many cities in the U.S. don't have, you know, that kind of tenure, right? Like Silicon Valley in California has, right? Yeah, there was something there, I just like my own personal journey in Guadalajara is that I was interviewing a professional, a young professional there, and he had worked at Microsoft. He had worked in Seattle. I think he had worked in California, great companies. And he said during the pandemic, he wanted to go back to Guadalajara, right? So he went back to Guadalajara and then got a job immediately working remotely for some top startup in San Francisco. And he's like, I just miss my family, I miss my food, 
my friends, my culture, right? This is where I grew up. This is where I was born. And it was a very special moment for me to hear that, I think, because Latinos, as developing countries, right? Mexico, obviously, is way more advanced than, than most of them. But I grew up in Nicaragua. And to me, there was just no option to stay, right? It was not possible for me to do that, right? And and so I, my, my, my mind, the only option to succeed was to come to the United States in search of the American dream, you know? Because there was no way that I go back there and I could be like, oh, I can get a job. I can do what I've done. But to hear this person, right, have that option, it really warmed my heart, right? Because I think one of my dreams, right, would be to for people to be able to stay at their country in a peaceful setting and be able to accomplish the most that they can accomplish, right, without having to go somewhere else, right? So it was really nice. And, and so now you're kind of like connecting the dots for me of it's not just because of the pandemic that people are able to work remotely. But Guadalajara has had generations of technology companies doing that. And that's kind of what I feel about Drift. For me, is Drift going to Guadalajara is like one more company that acknowledges the talent, the people, and the community and say, let's go and bring money into the country as opposed to taking money and people out of the country. Yes, that's right. And that's what we're looking for as well in Wiseland, right? And now we are seeing that because previous to the pandemic, so and, and continues to happen, right? But many people from Wiseland that was living in Guadalajara, because that's where most of our team was, although we already had Querétaro and, and Mexico City. In Mexico City, we had around 50 people for a while, for a couple of years, probably three years. And in Querétaro, we had about 30 to 50 and we were growing steady, but not as fast as we grew after the pandemic. But many people came to Guadalajara, right? Many people from Mexico City, they decided to go to, to Querétaro or Guadalajara. Many people from any other city, they decided to come to Guadalajara because Guadalajara is a great city to live. It's not that expensive. It's a beautiful city great weather. It has all the great services and all the infrastructure, right, of a large city, but it's not as complex as Mexico City. So we were able to attract a lot of talent. When the pandemic hit, many people decided, oh, I want to go back to my hometown, to Hermosillo, to Colima, to Aguascalientes, right? So they went back. Now we have over 50 people in, in Monterrey, for example, and we don't have a, a physical office. We might have about 40 people in Hermosillo. We don't have a physical office in, in Merida. Probably we have over 60, right? So this behavior, like, like getting back to their families, to their hometowns, that, that happened as well. But the great thing about Guadalajara is that we continue to be able to attract great talent, even if they are not currently located in Guadalajara, because Guadalajara is an amazing place to live, actually. It has a great quality of life and it has great schools and it has great universities and it's, a, it's an amazing city. I, I really like living here. What's your perspective on the struggle of, of Latin Americans in tech in the U.S. versus what you're able to see in Mexico? What's your perspective from over there? What do you mean the struggle? Do you mean like finding jobs? Being able to get higher, equal pay, be able to stay, retention, be able to get higher positions, how is it over there? Like what you see over there must be completely different than what we're, what's happening over here, no? Yes, 
I don't think I have enough information to compare it, but probably I can explain what I'm seeing here and you can give your thoughts on what you're seeing in the in the States. Because most of our team, although we have people on site and we have people in the US, most of our team continues to be on nearshore, right? In Mexico, in South America, we have offices in Colombia and we are opening offices in, in other countries in, in Latin America. So the great thing is the technological system in Latin America is growing. Right, it's growing exponentially. So I think it's becoming very attractive for young students, young people to get exposure to the benefits of the technology ecosystem from the universities. Lots of universities are talking about entrepreneurship. Lots of universities are getting exposure to technology-driven events, to startup-driven events, to hackathons to many more opportunities to at least get access to that. Not not necessarily to be part of that journey, but to get some awareness of what's going on. So I think that's happening everywhere and in all cities, right? Not necessarily the, the top cities in Mexico. And I know that's happening in, in, in Colombia as well. And of course, in Argentina has been going that, on that for a while. So I do think that many young people, they are getting access to that. They are getting exposed to that. Then, of course, universities are growing and they, they are becoming very good at understanding technologies and developing best practices. And in Mexico, we have hundreds of thousands of engineers graduating every year. So that's very good. The other thing is edtech entrepreneurs now are going into developing boot camps, offering different spaces so people get awareness and also get prepared to have an opportunity to migrate or to switch careers into the technology space. So that's already happening as well in Mexico. And I guess for us, the, the difference that I will say is not many people, not everyone has had the opportunity to learn English. And that's one of the biggest challenges that we still have, that we're investing, for example, in Wiseland. How can we also help the people to get prepared to get better in, in their English skills because for us it's super important or for us it's mandatory that everyone speaks English and everyone writes and speaks English very well because our customers are all in the US and our official language at Wiseline is, is English. Not many people have or not many companies have that barrier, right? So when companies don't have that barrier, I feel that they are going to have a lot more opportunity to grow faster in Mexico and to any place in, well, in Latin America. Adding that barrier will have you, it's going to be a, an important part of the funnel that you will drop a lot of, like probably like 30% of the candidates because of that. But if you want to start your career as a young student in technology, now it's the best time in, in Mexico, right? Would you have everything you can you can do you have great technology companies large technology companies that are growing and, and investing in mexico you have a lot of companies startups that are growing every day you have large startups that are already unicorns that are scaling up super fast that they have the best practices already in place that you can learn a lot that you can accelerate your career and then you have a lot of American companies coming into Mexico, or not even coming, some of them, they're just opening the doors to hire. And you can work remotely, right? Microsoft used to have all people going to Seattle. Now they are hiring a lot of people in Mexico. 
Google was doing the same. Now they are hiring a lot of people remotely in Mexico, right? So from the technology talent perspective, it cannot be a best time, right? And I think if you can have access to have great experience to learn from good companies to develop best practices, to get mastery in the space that you're playing as a software engineer, as a cyber liability engineer, as a mobile engineer, whatever you're doing, and improve your English, that's going to be a fantastic career acceleration. Tell me, educate me here, because you just brought up a really important point, right? It's like the master of the English language and as a requirement. Should Jeff require English or not in Guadalajara? I mean, it's easy to say yes, right? I mean, that's not, it's a no-brainer. But the question is, should I open that up? I don't know. We haven't opened that door at Wiseman. Yeah, but you have customers, though, so it's a little bit different, right? But we also have 20% of our business coming from Latin America. So we could decide to have, okay, like we're going to have a team that is only going to be working with, with Latin American customers. We haven't opened that door. Yeah. In, in question, I'm going to ask, most of the technical documentation, most of the open source projects, most of the forms, your help stack overflow, all the stuff is in English, right? Yep. Can you be as good of an engineer without understanding English? Is it a understanding English written or is it a matter of being able to be fluent speaking? What, what's the difference? You are right. I mean, I think you have different levels of English fluency, right? I do think that if you want to be a good engineer, you have to be very good at reading and understanding English, right? Good enough on writing it, at least on the technical space that you are, that you are working on. And probably you're not going to be like super fluent on, on communicating, right? And, and, and speaking fluently and, and having business level fluency. Most likely, because you don't have a lot of practice, you are going to be fine listening, but you might not have all the practice you need, right? So I do think that you cannot be a good engineer if you don't read and write English, right? Like that's, that's for sure, because we don't have any technical documentation in Spanish. And if you want to just to, to research on, because engineering is self-learning. You have to have that curiosity if you want to really be good at that. So if you're not able to read and write, there's going to be a barrier for sure. So certain level of English, it's absolutely required. I guess it's how do you decide on how do you want to take this barrier or this new specific level that you want? How far do you want to take it, right? Or how do you want to develop the team? when they get here and, and you want to take them to the next level. That's what we're doing. We're investing in English classes. We're investing in, in academy in, in many ways. But our bar is pretty high. Do you do a test for that? We have tests, yeah. We have an external company doing English assessments. Is it like a TOEFL, like a TOEFL exam? It's not as long and, and hard, but it's definitely a formal test, right? And we are hiring people with B2 level and above. But again, for us, it's because we haven't opened that door. I guess my recommendation would be, if you want to open that, you have to find a way to accelerate the development from the entry level you want to accept to the optimal level that you want everyone to be at. But what I wouldn't recommend is that you set the optimal level at the beginning and then you start opening that, right? Because you don't want to have 
people that, oh, we are the team that speaks English and we're the team that then, therefore we can be working in certain projects and there is the other team, right? I wouldn't recommend to create those differences or separations between teams. But if you want to allow everyone to have the same opportunities and you figure a way to actually get to that point where you feel everyone in your team is going to be productive and is going to be confident and, and comfortable in communicating and being part of the team, I guess that's a, that's the optimal point that I would recommend for you. Absolutely. Several questions come up to mind. What you're saying is like a team structure, for example, two things. One is like, what misconceptions have, do you know what mis- misconceptions companies have when they go to Guadalajara or where they work, start working with you with WiseLine? American companies. What misconceptions do you see? So that way they can, when they hear this, they can be like, okay, I don't have to worry about that. Can you think of any? I guess this happens with everyone. And let me start with the misconceptions when they work with a company like us. The most common misconception will be the cultural differences, right? We are different Mexicans, Latin American people. We are definitely different to American citizens, American people, right? We are used to different communication styles. We're used to different view in terms of hierarchy and our relationship with authority and if you add to that the languages differences, right? Like when our team is in a conversation with a counterpart, a customer, a manager, a tech lead, they are not speaking their first language, right? They have certain challenges as well. So the misconceptions is how do you enable the understanding in, in both sides on the cultural differences and also the acknowledge of you are actually speaking in a in a foreign language. So there will be certain limitations. There will be certain kind of adaptation or, yeah, I would say like adaptation phase at the beginning. So you have to understand that. You have to manage that transition and way of forming the team and improving communication. So you, were, you are going to be able later on to be a very productive, to be high-performing team. But first, you have to deal with those differences. Many people, they, they don't take time on that. They don't take time on understanding those differences, on having those conversations, on acknowledging those barriers, right? I'm, I wouldn't say limitations, but those are definitely certain barriers. There are barriers that can be managed, that can be broken very quickly, but at least to have that acknowledgement and conversations. And the misconception will be, they are not taking care of those, right? So they expect, oh, like, I should expect everything to flow and to work perfectly, right? Just as, as I do with, the, with my team in Silicon Valley or in New York. And that's not necessarily going to happen, right? Because there are certain differences. So I would say that that will be a misconception. I guess for companies coming to Mexico, the first misconception that I would say is you have to build a brand, Right, you are doing amazing. I, I really like the event that you had a couple of weeks ago. Right, you have to get to know people, and you have to get people to know you. Not because you many companies they, they come to Mexico and say like I'm, I'm going to grow the team, and that's great. But who is going to know you? Right, how are they going to reach out? How are they going to trust you? How are they going to understand? If you are going to be a good team to work for, right? So not because you are there, people are going to come to you, right? So sometimes that takes longer. I have seen some companies coming in 
And they thought like, oh, we're going to be so super successful because we're an amazing company, but they don't do their work there. They don't reach out. They don't connect to the ecosystem. They don't get their brand there. And it's very difficult for them to actually grow. Obviously, WiseLine is number one you need to connect with when you go to Guadalajara. What would be, when you say connect with the community, what would be the top three places you need to connect with when you're in Guadalajara? I would say with the universities in Guadalajara, with Tech de Monterrey, with ITESO, probably with some startup communities, with Techstars. Techstars is in Guadalajara? Techstars is in Guadalajara, yes. What other startup communities are there that you know by name? There are a couple of funds that have been active. Angel Ventures is here. I think it's the other ones, Tequila Ventures. But there are a few community leaders that I will look after and, and get connections. Of course, then you have the some government-driven initiatives as well. You have Campus Party that they have been doing their event every year so that they have a huge followers, amount of followers. So we always participate in that event to give a couple of keynotes and workshops as well, participating in campus parties. But yeah, I would say those events are very good. No, that's excellent. Yeah, no, I, I think this is this is very useful to me and I hope it's useful to others, right? To get a window into another part of the world that is so rich in tech, in culture, and it's based in Latin America, right? I think everybody thinks always the hub is the United States, but it really makes me very happy to hear about this and that and that Drift has the, the honor, the privilege to be able to go there and become a good part of the community, a good citizen, right? And get to know them. So it's been, it's been a joy for me to talk to a lot of people there. We've been talking nonstop and it's great. At least for me, especially, is being able to talk to them in Spanish is really a great Thing that helps in breaking down those barriers that you're talking about in trust and like, how does the team operate? Who are we? It makes a difference. So I think that definitely encourage for companies, something very valuable, right? If they're able to, we are asking companies here to be more diverse. That's Trip's mission, right? To be the new face of corporate America. And we're like, okay, what's the value of it? And now look at this. The more Latinos you have in your company, the easier it will be to you expand when you need to grow and scale your company because you can take opportunities of how many people speak Spanish are in Latin America, right? So this is really good. Any, anything else, any last advice that you want to give to people thinking about expanding their teams, team augmentation, or just basically outsource some of their development, right? Or build their teams. Something that I've been seeing is many companies, when they think on Mexico, they think, oh, well, I, let me focus only on one city. And I'm not necessarily thinking on actually like, how can I get access to all that talent without thinking on a particular geography, right? Like, I think the playbook can be remote first instead of focus on, on a specific city, a specific place. And that will give you access to a larger pool of talent, but also will bring that diversity and that flexibility that you are looking for. I understand at the beginning you have to focus on probably on creating a critical mass and, and creating the hub, but probably being more flexible on that will help you grow faster without the geography barriers. Yeah, no, that's that's I would totally agreement. I think that we thought that we were going to go straight, open an office, everybody wanted to meet. But the reality is that we're finding tech culture in Guadalajara and Mexico is just the same as the whole world is just unifying 
and how we work remotely. And like people want the same things. People want to work out of their home. They want flexibility. It's a great privilege that it's just basically leveling the playing field for everyone. I would say anywhere in Mexico, again, probably you want to focus on creating a, a specific critical mass and, and you want to create a hub, but be flexible on that because you will have access to a lot more talent. You will have access to amazing people and you're going to be able to grow faster. No, that's great. That's great advice and something that we've been, the, the team at Drift has been like just as every conversation we're like getting in sync and we're getting feedback and sharing it with one another and, and adapting, we have to be flexible, right? with just one mentality. And I remember the first time we were starting to talk about, it seems that we're going to have to go other places. And people were like, oh, no, we were going to do this. And I'm like, no, we have to go with what the community, what the culture is saying. And the reality is that I guess that's happening to you, but we are we are remote, right? I'm still working at home and we have an amazing office, but we don't know exactly when, if we are going back as we used to be, at least at certain capacity. So having that playbook as a remote first, and it's going to allow you to just grow faster and be more flexible, right? So I would say that will help you a lot. No, we're excited. Thank you so much, Aníbal, for your insight and sharing about the growth and success of WiseLine and, and the history behind the tech pedigree of talent and companies that have been in Wildhada for so long and that we're just discovering, right? No, it's amazing. I, I wish you the best for Drift, for you and, and the team in this new journey into, into Mexico and, of course, in Guadalajara. And, yeah, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to having more conversations. I'm, I have really enjoyed this conversation as well as the, the panel a couple of weeks ago. So looking forward to getting in touch and, and, and see Drift becoming a very successful company here in Mexico. Thanks for listening to the American Dream Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe so you never miss when a new episode drops. If you like this episode, please leave a six-star review wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you're interested in learning more about my American Dream mission, subscribe to my newsletter linked in the show notes.